The heart of the gospel is that sinful men and women can be remade into a new creation through the power of God, that the reign of sin can be broken, that hearts can be purified and lives can be restored, not just touched up, but truly made new. Hey, this is Nate with Purity for Life. Sean and Susan Smith are back with me for episode seven of our series, Ashes to Beauty. After Sean truly repented of sexual sin, he and Susan were ready to just put all of that behind them and to enjoy a new life. But what they found was that there were other areas of their lives where they really needed to be purified. And that isn't just true for them. Since that time, Sean and Susan have ministered to a lot of couples who have found the same exact thing. In today's show, Sean and Susan will talk about two huge aspects of marriage that will inevitably need to be purified. First, communication. The thing about communication and problem solving is not about solving the problem. It really is the spirit in which you two, as husband and wife, can come together to honor God to do the process. The solving the problem is the smallest part of communicating. It's are you putting yourself before God first? Are you preparing and praying and asking God to bring humility into your life before you go and ask something of your spouse? And second, intimacy in the marriage bed. We have perverted, and wives have too, we think sex is all about getting my needs met, or he's thinking his needs need to be met, and the world definitely feeds into that. But scripture says, my body's not my own, it's actually his body. You know, my body is his body, and his body is my body. And when we see it that way, then we can apply things like Philippians 2, where I can esteem him better than myself. And that restores the marriage bed like none other. Thanks for joining us. Here we go. All right. This is the seventh episode in our series, Ashes to Beauty. I've got Sean and Susan Smith back with us. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Okay, so if people have been tracking with us in this series, they've heard me say this, well, this would be the seventh time. <laughs> God is absolutely able to redeem any marriage, no matter how broken it is. And the way he does it is by taking both the husband and the wife through a spiritual process to make them like Jesus. Correct. Mm -hmm. And when both the husband and the wife become like Jesus, that marriage is going to be solid. It's going to be able to withstand the storms. It's going to be restored, right? So the pathway to become like Jesus is laid out in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. And then what we're going to talk about today, blessed are the pure in heart. Mm. So one of the main points that uh, Jeff Cologne made in this book is that sexual sin is so destructive and so all-consuming that it would be easy for a couple to think, get rid of that and everything is going to be perfect, mm -hmm. right? Mm. But then couples find out that 
even when the sexual sin is kind of put behind them, whoa, there's still like a lot of problems. I assume that it was similar for you guys. It was a bit of a shock to find out that that didn't solve everything. Yeah, it, it was a bit of a, a shock, right? You spend time focusing on getting the sexual sin out, all the trials, and, and, so, and you actually see victory, right? So God did a work in our marriage. We begin to trust and talk to one another. And we thought, man, we are really on the right path. It didn't take long uh, to see <laughs> that um, we still needed a lot of work to do. And it really just manifests itself through being short or arguing or just normal life disagreements between mm-hmm. between husband and wife, right? Uh, and so that really caused us to go, wait a minute, what's going on here? Like God has done such a great work in our in our marriage through this trial of sexual sin. Why can't we just go on with it, right? What's broken inside of us? But we had seen the Lord work in in that trial. So we knew there was something good in it. And he didn't just bring us through what we thought at the time was our biggest trial just to let us stay in this state of flux, of arguing or just having a normal life, Mm. right? It was more of he had shown us more of himself that we wanted that. So we knew that was the source. We just didn't know how to get there right then. And that source is the gospel. So we knew as a husband and wife coming together, we needed the gospel applied to our souls through this trial. But how do we apply that to our marriage? Because the gospel is transformative, right? In our trial, the gospel became real. So how do we apply that to the rest of our marriage? And that, that was a, is a learning process of how to actually do that. We had to learn how to handle problems biblically that glorified the Lord. So it wasn't, we went from crisis living to everyday glorifying God living. And it's, it's almost like this big change and shift that took place, of which we were new at and not really that good at it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think anytime you have a crisis, uh, the human flesh always wants to get back to normal. It's like a race to normal. You know, like if you're sick, how can I like get well fast enough so I can go back to my normal life? Yeah. And that's definitely what it was for us coming out of sexual sin was like, how, how quickly can we get back to like normal life? Not that we wanted to go back to like not really caring about the Lord, but we wanted to go back to like everything's fine, you know? And then you pair that with, I think being married is one of the most uh, revealing relationships <laughs> on earth because you really be, you really see how selfish you are. Yeah. I think being married and having children <laughs> reveal it in a way that maybe other relationships won't. But for us, that, that definitely was true. You know, it's like, okay, the sexual sin was done, but I'm still like, I want to wring his neck sometimes, or like he can make me the maddest out of anybody that I know because he's my closest neighbor. And that's what marriage does. I think God created that so that we could have that buffing of each other all the time. And so for me, when the sexual sin was kind of calmed down, it was, I began to see, wait, the circumstance is gone, but like I'm still super selfish. And the Lord began to reveal to me, do you really want me to increase? Or do you want you to increase, speaking about myself? You know, do I want myself to be on number one or do I want him? And I think with marriage, do I want to esteem my spouse more? Do Mm -hmm. I want to communicate better with him? Do I want to consider his interests more? Or do I want mine met all the time? So I know after the sexual sin, I, I really struggled with that still. Yeah, so what you're saying is that 
you guys are not like different than most couples in that way. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> um, because so many couples who come to us just feel like this is the problem, get rid of that and we're gonna be good. Mm -hmm. And then they start realizing once the husband comes back home or maybe he was in our Overcomers at Home program so he never left, but it's like, whoa, even though the sexual sin is really being dealt with, there's, we're arguing. Uh, he's, I, I can't trust him or he's feeling like, man, she nags me all the time or whatever. There's just, there's lack of trust, there's friction, there's arguments, there's problems, you know, in the marriage. So when you talk to a couple who's where you were 15 years ago and you're seeing this dynamic happen, what do you say? Yeah, yeah. for, for me, I, I kind of dial into the husbands a little bit because um, coming out of sexual sin, there's a tendency to kind of manipulate, hide, not being very truthful. It's, a, it's something to learn, to, and if a person's walking in that, it can be difficult to walk in that way of learning, right? So there's still that communication mm -hmm. issue that still bubbles up. He may be doing a little weird or awkward, but he's trying, right? He's trying to do it. It's not coming out exactly right. But um, at the same time, is he focusing on blaming his wife for these issues? Or is he allowing the Lord to reveal what's truly in his heart when these disagreements happening? And so I encourage husbands to listen first and if there's something that rises up in you not to listen, and it's like, well, she's not seeing this right, and I want to just tell her, that is a time to stop talking, stop. You as the husband need to take a moment, take a breath, and just focus on listening rather than talking. <laughs> and guys want to do that because we want to solve the problems, and God's helping men walk in victory, so it's natural to take that next step. But I would encourage them to just, in all humility, listen to what is really going on with his wife and ask follow-up questions so that we can get to the root of what that friction is inside his heart mm. first and not looking to examine her to pick out her f flaws and her misgivings and her sin and her mistake. But through the questions, it should go, hmm, why am I offended by her response to that question. And so that's what I would encourage guys to is and take that to the Lord because that's revealing what's in your heart rather than just this circle of chaos and fighting and disagreement. Get to those heart roots. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably going to say it in a little different way, but it's pretty much the same thing. I mean, I think wives we really struggle with, like we can make it look pretty on the outside, but really our motives are just as raw as the husband's. And to me, that's what the Lord has put on, on me many times is like, what's my motive? Um, and I can think of many as a wife. Do I want to be right? You know, do I just want to be right about this? Do I want to punish him? You know, we as wives want to punish sometimes. Do I want to withhold? Am I scared? Am I living in fear? You know, why? sometimes we go, why is this friction? Like, what? we're just, it's almost like our gears are off, you know? We're not mm. like running like a well-oiled machine. Our gears are like lodging against each other. And in James, it says, where do wars come from? Well, they come from within. You know, we want something, but we don't get it. And I know as a wife, Sometimes I can not even know what's really going on, but if I stop and link the friction back, it's usually I want something. I want him to react in a certain way, or I want him to give me 
the benefit of being right or maybe I just want him to give in to my emotions and I don't get it. And then that creates a strife. Not always, you know, I mean, it's definitely (laughs) two to tango, right? But that to me is when I think about pure heart, it usually means a pure motive to me. Do I want to glorify the Lord or do I want to be right or do I want to get my way or do I want to like conquer him or nag him or make him pay for what he's done? Um, Because motives can be very in our face and we know, but a lot of times with wives, we have to dig a little bit further and kind of take it back. Why am I so emotional about this or why am I really mad at him today? And you can usually link it back to some kind of motive that you have in your heart. And that's where you've got to really cry out to the Lord and repent and say, I don't want this, but it's here. And I'm just going to be honest, it's here and I need to get rid of it. And only you can help me Mm. get rid of that. Yeah. And and on top of that, too, is the word submission comes to mind, right? We are submitting what we desire, right? We're submitting that to the Lord and going under and listening to what the other person has to say. And, you know, like in Ephesians 5, it talks about submit yourself to one another in reverence of Christ. And so there are times where you have to stop and repent and acknowledge that what's in your own heart, your own motive is wrong versus trying to push it on to someone else. It's very embarrassing to you sometimes, right? To be like, I just wanted to punish you because I didn't, I'm I'm just mad. I'm mad about the past. I'm mad about something you did yesterday, or I'm mad about something, this fear that I have in me now. These emotions are real. The more we don't just say, this is really what, I mean, it's embarrassing, but really saying, this is really what's in my heart, and I need the Lord to change me, and would you forgive me? And then that friction can, it may not go away, but it can dissipate. At least you're being honest about it. You know, if you put a name on something, sometimes you can deal with it a little more. Oh, that's fear or that's me wanting to control, instead of like, well, yeah, we're just not getting along. Right, right. Mm-hmm. You can hide behind we're not getting along for a long time, but when you start naming it and really bringing it before the Lord, calling it biblical names, yeah. then there's a remedy for it. Jesus, he died on the cross. He can come and purify that. Mm-hmm. And for yeah. us, it's just been kind of like gut-wrenching honesty at times yeah. when we didn't really want to be. Right. I mean, purity of heart is being vulnerable. I mean, that is that is huge in, into that. It's mm-hmm. like, this is what's really going inside of my heart. It's ugly. I don't like it. I know she doesn't like it. Uh, Lord, you've got to help me and change me. And it, mm-hmm. it, it really creates that hunger to really go after the Lord uh, eat continuously, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's what's... But we're in this together. That's what we have to remind ourselves are, is that I want her to have a pure heart. I want her to be pure before yeah. the Lord. And I know she wants that for me too. And so we're, we're constantly encouraging each other to do that, right? And so I, I really um, believe God to, to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it seems like what you guys are saying is that a huge um, part of having a good marriage is I am willing to be responsible for my own sin. Mm-hmm. Yes. When I'm irritated, when I'm impatient, when I'm frustrated, when I'm suspicious or cynical or whatever it is, something is wrong in me. Mm-hmm. And I'm willing to take a look at that and to be honest about that with my spouse. Yeah. yeah. 
And the thing with that, Nate, is that that is a wide spectrum of, of where that can um, expose you to, right? Yeah, one minute it may be selfishness, the next minute it may be anger, all of these things because you're like, I'm willing to take a look. That's, that's really humility at work. And the Lord is faithful to teach a humble servant, right? And he resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And that's really what, what we have to say is like, Lord, this is it. This is it. I need you to yeah. bust through and do something here. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So here's what I want to do for the rest of the episode. I want to talk about two areas that I have heard from you guys when we talked a couple of weeks ago. I heard from Jeff and Rose that if these areas are not addressed and if couples aren't committed to becoming pure in heart in these areas, it just causes tremendous amount of problems. Mm. The first is how couples communicate. Mm. And the second is what happens with the marriage bed. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about communication first. And, you know, I'm not married, but I do know that you can develop really bad habits in communication, and that causes <laughs> problems <laughs> yeah. in relationships. Um, we can be sarcastic and unkind. We can assume the worst about people. We can justify ourselves constantly. And that just like brings conflict in, uh, in marriages and in relationships. So I'd like to talk about this from the husband's perspective. I'd like to talk about it from the wife's perspective. From a man's perspective or husband's perspective, what do men need to practice when it comes to being a healthy biblical communicator. Yeah, well, um, in my own life and guys counseling, the biggest thing that I see and experienced is learning how to walk in the light, which is in pure honesty. And to be honest about some kind of standard that's lodged in your heart. And so I know sometimes we get in arguments where I'll really come down hard. Like I'll say something that's, that's hurtful and on a mistake that she may have made, right? And she'll say, well, can't you just extend the same amount of grace that I've shown you, right? And it really is for me to express that grace is to just, you're right, that I, I have a standard that's inside of me that's not being met. That's the war that's going on inside of me. That's, that's my deal. That's my lack of purity of heart that falls apart in our communication. But it takes a minute to pause and realize that versus oh, you want to show grace? I'll show you how to show grace. <laughs> right. You know, it's, you just launch right into it. So it's those moments of showing grace, of calling a time out, of going, hmm, she has been graceful to me. Why, why do I not respond the same way? Well, I'm not her. Not, no, there's something hmm. in here that I need to take before the Lord. So rather than ampling it up in a communication way, I've now checked into, hmm, okay, I don't have all the information I need here. I need to take a time out. So let's, let's focus on listening now instead of trying to fix it. That's grace. Okay. Yeah, um, my experience with communication is just like, I think as women, we think we're really the better communicator than mm. men. And then our culture definitely feeds into that. You know, like, well, your husband's just like, yeah, you know, bump idiot. on the log, right. you know? <laughs> so you're kind of like, yeah, that's right. You know, I tell him how I feel, and we he just automatically assume we communicate. We're better in touch with our feelings or emotions, which is a bad thing sometimes. 
But I think as a wife, it's a position of humility. Um, I, I don't know how to communicate with you. Like, I do have my arsenal of attacking or silent treatment or, you know, putting walls up. And, you know, when you're really honest with yourself, you're like, I really don't know how to communicate well. And we've been married for 22 years, and I still look at him sometimes and be like, yeah, I don't really know where that came from. I, I still don't know how to communicate well. And just as a wife, being having the humility and asking the Lord to put humility in, in you that I don't know every way to communicate. And being okay that he's not another woman. Like, he's a man, so he's not going to have the same empathy that I might want from one of my girlfriends, you know, because he's he's full of testosterone and he's made differently. And celebrating that difference, you know, that he's going to not respond to me exactly the way I want him to, and that's okay. But, you know, in return, he's willing to learn too, right? I'm willing to learn to not expect this gushy love that I might get from one of my girlfriends. Um, and he would be able to say, I'm going to be patient with her when she is crying at the drop of a hat for no reason. <laughs> so we have to give and take. We, and, and, you know, and realize in communication, there are some things that are clearly sinful, like attacking, like slander, like um, lying, lying, yeah. like uh, holding, bearing record of wrong. You know, First Corinthians says, love does not bear a record of wrong, or right. love believes the best. Like there are clear biblical mandates of this is, you do not do this when you communicate. But then also there's some preferences, you know. Do I prefer to communicate at night? No, but no. he does. But I do. You know, uh, and, and I know that's, you know, another whole conversation, but like mm -hmm. preferences don't always get met. And am I going to go under and say that's okay? Like, he just had a bad day, so he wasn't really listening well to me, you know? But I'm pouring out my heart, you know? Or he's saying, well, she really wanted to just, like, jump to, like, a quick solution. And I really wanted her just to kind of be on my side. And so seeing preferences and being able to communicate that way. So as wives, I think it's... It's just like we need to admit we're not, we're not always the best communicators, and that's really hard. But it usually yields a lot of, like, growth. And we weren't born knowing how to do that. Our flesh says win <laughs> and make yourself as comfortable as possible. Hmm. But Jesus says give to him, learn, be willing to humble myself. And um, that pays dividends yeah. because he starts to see she doesn't have it all together. I can be vulnerable with her, you know, especially coming out of sexual sin. And that friction dissipates because it's a recipe for humility rather than we're just going to constantly be button heads. Yeah. Mm. That expectation thing is big. I mean, I know when, our, when we were walking this out maybe four years after sexual sin had done its own thing, we had to really get to a point of like sitting down on the couch on a one particular subject and ask questions about what do you expect. So for example, Saturday I would like to play golf. She says, well, <laughs> you, 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 have you thought about me? Have you thought about what I'm saying, right? No, that's why we're having the conversation. Like, I'm, I, again, I was awkward at it. I was just blunting it out, not really caring about feelings. Like, I'm going to play golf on Saturday. She's like, well, well what, is, what are we supposed to do? She had an expectation of not just plans, but had an expectation of something about what we're supposed to spend our time on. And I had an expectation of I'm going to do because I don't see anything on the calendar. 
So we were not wrong. We just, our aim was in two different directions. That really was it. But we were still jawing each other. And that turns into, oh, my wife doesn't like for me to play golf. That's so far from it. But the fact that we were not looking at the same uh, piece of data to come to that conclusion or had different expectations of what we were going to do on that day, it just blew into something that neither one of us were even contemplating. I wasn't just sticking it to her just to play golf because I wanted to, and she wasn't you know, putting these restrictions on me. It just, that's the way it blew up. But until we called a timeout and said, what's your deal? I didn't say it like that. Of course I didn't. <laughs> I said, this is bothering me. So in all seriousness, I, I, yep. I did sit down and said, this is really bothering me because I don't think we're communicating very well. I'm missing something. Yeah. I don't think I'm seeing things right. Can you please help me understand from your perspective why playing golf on Saturdays is a problem for you or you've expressed that to me? Can you help me see that? Because I'm not seeing it right. Mm-hmm. So based on that situation, I, th- I think I'm assuming one thing that you're not saying. So it, it's like we almost have to get assumptions out of the way yes. and expectations. I guess there's synopsis, right? But the assumptions are unspoken. We have to clarify those. And really, we have to see the enemy is not us. Mm-hmm. It's Satan, right? And he wants to create division. And we hear it all the time in counseling. We hear it all the time. <laughs> among ourselves, people really struggle with communication. But we need to own it and say, I need help. I need to be pure in this area, you know? The thing about communication and problem solving is not about solving the problem. It really is the spirit in which you two, as husband and wife, can come together to honor God to do the process. The solving the problem is the smallest part of communicating. It's Are you putting yourself before God first? Are you preparing and praying and asking God to bring humility into your life before you go and ask something of your spouse, right? That's really where the communication comes from. It's not just, okay, well, I've got these six steps to solve this particular issue we're struggling with. It's like, no, God, I'm going to seek you. I've got to put you at the center. And even through the process of just making sure that my speech is soft, making sure that I deny my feelings of just coming at it. I'm giving it all to you. I'm going to communicate slowly and clearly to honor you as if you're sitting in that chair to solve this problem. And I believe you're faithful enough to do it and you will do it for us. So that's really the problem in communication solving is putting God in the middle of that conversation and allowing him and his spirit to work in it. This is a spiritual thing that we're talking about. We are on the same team. She is. We are definitely the same team, but there's a, we don't battle against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities. So when we have issues or communications or misfires, we've got to put God in the middle because he's faithful to help us work that out. And that really is awkward at times, but the truth of the matter is that is the source. That is the source to solve it. Okay, yeah, this, to me this is really amazing because if you think about what does it mean to be pure in your heart, it really means that you're full of love. Yeah. I mean, that's what purity of heart is. It's just, it's love, it's selflessness, it's humility. And so it's like this issue of communication in a marriage is giving you the opportunity to become like that. Mm-hmm. Because if you're going to communicate well, you've got to be, you've got to learn to be humble. Mm-hmm. 
you have got to learn to put someone else's needs before your own. You have got to learn how to admit you're wrong. You've got to learn how to really love. Otherwise, if this is just going to be two people who are asserting their will, I'm right, you're wrong, it's my rights or the, you know, my way or the highway, Mm -hmm. there's no chance. I mean, you could live together, but that's going to be horrible. Yeah, and and that's really what I want to encourage folks to listen to is that we know many couples that get to that point that it's your fault, no, it's your fault, you're to blame, no, you're to blame, but they continue on in life. We used to be that way. Back in the day, we used to be that way, that we'd go to church and have a normal life, but it's manageable, and it's, it's awful. It's a counterfeit. It's terrible that you can get there but then do life things. Like you said, just live together, but you don't have that level of intimacy that God desires for you to have in the marriage. And when you constantly are blaming and looking and that motives are off, you're off. You're off. You don't need a crisis to, to point. You're in crisis at that moment because you can't communicate that honors God. And so you continue to have the outward things looking right, but when behind closed doors, I, I just our hearts go out to when we see couples that way that have been in this state for 10, 15 years of just stuck when it would just, if you sat down and just were honest with one another, God could just bust through in there. It, mm. you know, so that's, that's our heart. We want to see God do that in marriages mm. to, to reveal those motives. Yeah. And yeah. I just want to encourage people, like, it's okay to ask for help too. Like, you don't have to have it all figured out. How am I going to communicate? We had to learn these things in a hard way. We had to have people come alongside of us. You know, we're not, that's the body of Christ, too. I want to bring that in. Yeah. Like, if you humble yourself and go to a godly couple or godly counselor or your spiritual authority, and you say, I, like, I don't know how to communicate. I really need help. If that person is really seeking the Lord, they're going to be excited to help you. You know, I mean, it's it's hard work. It's it's humbling. It's embarrassing at times. But when you say, I want to learn, what greater gift is that? Mm-hmm. You know, like like Jesus taught his disciples all the time, right? We assume they just, <laughs> they were just like walking on water and they never had problems. Well, he, all, he was always teaching, yeah. but we forget that. We think, you know, uh, how can I say I have a problem communicating with my husband? You know, I've been a Christian for so long. Or, you know, how can I say I have a problem with my kids when everybody at church thinks we're the perfect family? But that's just as bad as a big blow up with sexual sin because we're hiding behind an image and, and pride, really. And communication, I think people get stuck and are willing to stay there because it's embarrassing and it's hard. And they don't think it can change. That's it. That's like it. in counseling, I don't know how many wives have had the spectrum of like they're quiet and they put their head, you know, in the sand. They want to ignore things, just not communicate to the other extreme is like they're going to blast their husband out all the time. But you have to have the same humility, no matter if you're on this end or that end, to say, I don't know how to do this, but I want to learn. And because I can learn, there's victory. I don't have to stay here. This doesn't have to be how we operate. Hmm. We could have stayed there. I mean, and not just right after Pure Life, but, you know, you're 15, you're yeah. 20, you're 22. Right. We could have said, no, this one fight's putting me over the edge and, and we're going to stay here. Like, we can't come to terms on that. But to me, if I'm not right with him, then there's something I'm not seeking the Lord about. Yeah. Like, if we don't have unity, not that, you know, 
he's the end-all be-all. I've learned that too. But if our relationship's not right, then I need to be seeking the Lord. I need to be on my face before him. Like, Lord, help me communicate. Like, he's my closest neighbor. I mean, he's the one I'm called to love the most. Mm -hmm. Out of any human relationship, he's the only one, you know, that, that I have a covenant with. I don't have a covenant with my children, although I, you know, they came from us. The Lord gave them to us, but I have a covenant with Him. And if I can't have this covenant relationship with this human, then there must be something off with me. I mean, that that's that's exactly what I was going to say. Was that when when we're off, it's me and God off. Like there's me and God are off, right? There's no question about it, not, not a question, because even I've seen her on her best day, and I've seen her on her worst day, right? And at the end of the day, she doesn't have that kind of power to have that kind of control. Hallelujah. I, it's in me, but I do it. The wickedness in me, that, that, that unconquered self, those pieces of flesh that are yeah, still there. Yeah, I can't there. love her if she doesn't do this. Right. Or, she, yeah. Nobody right. has that kind of power. She does it. She will never be good enough for the, to sustain that or bad enough for me to... It's, it's insane to really think about that. But when I am just... I can be unmerciful and I can be unforgiving and I can be, and I just, my immediate need is like, Lord, what is wrong with me? And I get before the Lord on the Bible and he shows me and it's like, okay, why do I keep doing this? Why do I keep coming back? And he says, because I want you to need me. Mm -hmm. yeah. I want me and you, the Lord and me, the Lord and Susan, the one-on-one, -on -one, that one-on-one -on -one relationship. He wants that more than anything so that we can exemplify Christ in our marriage. Mm. And he is, he is such a protector of the Institute of Marriage that he will take us as individuals to task to bring in that purity of heart, to bring a real marriage for the, this world to see and to his name to be honored. And so that to me is, I fail in so many ways as a husband, but Jesus has never failed me and continues to give me life to go back in there and to keep fighting for it. And we do, we do. She's amazing at fighting for it and I can't let her out fight me. So I'm gonna fight too. And that's why marriage is such a big deal, I think. And we need to fight for it in our culture yeah. because it's not just about being happy. It is a, it's a billboard for the Lord to show his love yeah. in a way that you're not gonna get with any other human relationship because it shows a unity, not only of flesh, but of your spirit. And if you're willing to be humble in that relationship, it just speaks volumes to the world. When we're all out for self, when you see a marriage that's really real, not perfect, but they're willing to let the Lord be glorified and His love to show through, that's the greatest example, right? Yeah. Because Christ says, you know, you're my bride, and I'm, you know, I'm your bridegroom. Well, here we are, bride and bridegroom. You know, are we going to let the Lord shine through in our communication? Or are we just going to just say, well, we, we don't really want him to enter that part of our lives. Yeah. That what, that's what means not, not having him in a box, but letting him go everywhere. And communication is not a big deal. It's every little thing. It's every little thing God wants us to be a part of. He wants to get better at it. It's practice. And I'm so thankful that he is a God of redemption. He's a God of restoration. Uh, and is a God that gives us more and more opportunities to practice. And so we look at it and go, oh, I failed again, of course. But there's also that, that expression that the Lord shows up through her and her eyes one day. And then hopefully she sees some of the Lord and some of my responses, right? And that really is Him in helping us communicate.
it's hard to put it into words because it is difficult mm -hmm. because we have to get out of the way. Hmm. I bet we could probably talk about this subject for yeah. hours, right? Mm -hmm. And it would be really helpful. Um, we're going to move on to one other huge area that I've heard is um, so critical for people to continue to fight for a pure heart, right? Um, is just the marriage bed because mm -hmm. sexual sin has done direct right. damage mm -hmm. to right. that. So there needs to be a lot of healing. And I don't have a lot of context for this, so I'm just going to let you guys talk about what couples need to hear when it comes to the marriage bed. Right. Well, in Hebrews, it talks about the marriage bed being honored above all, like it's to be held with great honor. And you tackle that with the defilement that happens with sexual sin. Something, it's very important to the Lord um, to bring that kind of union together in the marriage bed of which he puts in the Bible that it's to be held with great honor. And um, it is a difficult thing for couples to come back to because of just the sexual sin of which guys have given over to in, in certain ways. They've, they've kind of gone uh, way through lines, experienced things, seen things that have scarred them internally, right? They don't know how, they've warped their entire view of how this beautiful thing of sex in a marriage is, is supposed to be. Like it's a gift from the Lord, but it's gotten warped because of what guys have given themselves over to in our culture. And as that restoration happens, as, as, you know, God sets men free, he wants to bring restoration back mm -hmm. to the marriage. And part of that is the marriage bed. And so how does that look like? Well, I'll be up front with you. Sometimes it's, it's going to be a little awkward mm -hmm. um, in terms of coming back together as husband and wife. There's some trust issues I'm sure Susan will talk about, but from, a, from the husband's perspective, there's a lot of question marks. There's a lot of assumptions. There's a lot of mental gymnastics that happens in those times when intimacy is about to happen. And so it really is an opportunity for God to show the gospel in this intimate part of the marriage bed, right? I mean, this is a, something between husband and wife behind closed doors. This is something that's special to them, it's, a, it's beautiful. It's, it's an act of worship. It's, you know, God is, God's presence there to bless it. But talking about it is difficult for couples, especially when it comes out of it. So we encourage couples to talk about it without hesitation, hmm. right? Um, and throw it out there. Let's just, let's just have conversations around. The same way you would talk about other like taking out the trash and stuff. Well, I just mean just you're really honest. Yes, very honest, yeah. Yes. It's I don't like this or this makes me feel this way, that, that kind of stuff. 100%. And um, the, the idea is to express what your preferences are. We talk about preferences and also expose assumptions. So it's the same principles, but the subject matter is one of which is private and uh, but something that needs to be shared openly between their husband and wife. Yeah, I think for a wife, it's like, a, oh man, it's like one of the biggest hurdles because that's the part that you have given to your husband that has been given to another image, another person, another mm -hmm. relationship. 
but that's the most intimate part that you as a married couple share. So it's kind of like, how is this even going to work? I mean, it, it takes a big step of faith. Yeah. And part of it is, is being okay with that. Um, as a wife, being okay with like, this is going to be hard, but I'm willing, Lord. Yes. And I believe you can do it. I can't do it. He can't do it. Another component of that is being that having your husband say, it's okay. I understand this is going to be really hard for you. And I'm not going to demand, and I'm not going to assume that you're just going to like get over it. But I'm also not going to celebrate how hard it's going to be. Like I'm going to, I'm going to try to stay focused on the Lord, and I'm going to, I'm going to see the good, the bad, what He wants to bring as change. And that goes a long way when a when a husband tells a wife, "This has got to be hard for you, honey." But yeah. together we can seek the Lord, and He can heal this. And I want you to feel free to communicate with me when you're struggling. So I know for us, when, when we came back together, it was like, is he, what, what's he thinking about right now? Is this something he got from a pornography site that, that he saw? I'm just going to be honest. Or is this some kind of thing that he, you know, has fantasized about it? And I've had to like fight those feelings where I just would like, oh, I'm just not going to say that to say, hey, Sean, I, I just need to ask you these questions like is is this is this messing with your head like is this is this something that we need to talk about and and it you feel like you're gonna throw up you know you're saying these things it'd be a lot easier just to go on and then for him as a husband it goes a long way for me as a wife for him to say thank you for asking that and here's what I'm really thinking or this is where that came from and us being like bottom level honest about, this is where we need to grow, and this is where we need to communicate. Because if you don't bring it to the light, what does First John one nine say? We're not we're not going to have fellowship right. with the Lord. We're not going to have fellowship with one another. And the one thing that God has said is kind of like the glue in many ways that keeps a marriage together, that makes it a relationship like any other. Um, it can either be restored or you can just ignore these things, and it may be mediocre, but it's not going to be what the, the kind of sexual intimacy God has designed. Right. Um, so that's my testimony. I remember just feeling like i got to ask this question. I don't know how he's going to take it, um, but I'm going to trust you, Lord. And this, sometimes it went really well, and sometimes it didn't. And for wives, it's okay to know that it's not going to always go well. But I think, too, being willing to say... Um, for us, it was something we didn't talk about before the sexual sin happened. We just were like, okay, this is just what married people do. But when after the sexual sin, it was like, no, this is something we need to talk about. And we do that in counseling. Mm -hmm. I recommend to women, you know, like you, you've got to express to your husband what you're thinking. But do it in a way that you're not sharing too much detail and you're not being dramatic about it. Just, just mm -hmm. ask him, right? Another good thing is to pray before you're intimate. To just, you know, when you're really struggling, Lord... You know, we want to be intimate, but we're both really struggling with the past. Yeah. Can you mm. can you help us with the past? Can this be something that blesses him? Because we have perverted, and wives have too, we think sex is all about getting my needs met, or he's thinking his needs need to be met, and the world definitely feeds into that. But Scripture says, my body is not my own. Right. It's actually his body. You know, my body is his body, and his body is my body. And we need to respect each other, but it's really a vessel blessing to give my body to him. And when we see it that way, then we can apply things like Philippians 2, where I can esteem him better than myself, when I can humble myself, when I can look to be a blessing to him. 
And that restores the marriage bed like none other. I mean, we can say like, hey, read this book, try this, you know, do that, do that. But really it comes down to, do you want it to be a blessing to your spouse? It's not all about like, heal me, heal me. That's a big component of it. But part of the healing happens supernaturally when I seek to be a blessing to him rather than worrying about what he's thinking. But I don't wanna just say that that's something that happens. This is something you gotta work through. It's a real struggle for a wife. The biggest thing, I I wanna circle back on something you said was um, praying before intimacy. That's something that was so foreign to me before all this, I'd be like, what? Who in the world? No, I don't even want God in round. Like what? I was, it was bad thinking, right? But when when we started doing that, when we when we were trying to come back together, it opened our eyes to so many wonderful things of what true intimacy was. It wasn't the physical act. It's just that connection that we have as husband and wife, where God's bringing His presence into it. And for husbands, uh, little tip here: uh, praying in marriage allows you to express what's happening and calling it out and bringing it before God that's going on inside your inside worlds. Again, guys have a hard time having those conversations that are truly valuable to oh, the you wife. Oh, you pray together. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That, okay. Yeah, we would get together and we'd pray together. And uh, that's yeah. when that was exposed. Like, Lord, please give me pure thoughts. Hmm. We want to, God, honor you. And so you're confessing before the Lord. You're confessing before her in that way because I'm bringing it before the Lord. Lord, I, I help help just us enjoy one another. And I, and I know some people are listening to this going, I could never do that because I said that, she said that. <laughs> and but we it, still struggle with that. It is still something with that, but um, it is one of these, okay, all right, yes, this is the right thing. It is good. It is good yeah. to do that. It is a good thing. And, you know, having that level of communication and bringing the Lord into it will restore the marriage bed, restore your thinking, restore the trust that you have with one another. Um, and it really is powerful in shaping what, uh, what happens going forward. Um, I think I'd like to ask you both a question to maybe give a little bit of hope to couples, right? Because probably if they're fresh out of sexual sin and then like communication is mostly going to be painful, I would mm-hmm. guess. Yeah. The marriage bed will mostly be difficult. Um, for you guys, when you're putting these principles, when you started putting these principles into practice, mm-hmm. humility, love, preferring one another, how long did it take before you started to see some fruit? Like, oh, wow, this is improving, you know? Things are changing. Yeah, I, I mean, I would say like the first, probably the first year coming out of sexual sin was was pretty intense. Just, you know, I mean, you, you do that year thing like, oh, I remember last year about this time, I thought he was in the middle of this sexual sin, you know, whatever it may be. So you have a lot of memory mm-hmm. connection. Then let's be honest, the, the enemy, Satan, is always throwing stuff our way, you know, temptation of like just why don't you remember this and, you know, go ahead and put him on trial again for that. So that's what I really struggled with the first year was just memories, um, comparing where we were a year ago, you know, still learning, is he telling me the truth, still wanting to be vulnerable with him, 
if you've been hurt in that way, you don't you don't want to be vulnerable. A wife usually is like, ah, eh, I don't know if I want to stick my neck out there again. So it takes it, it for me. It took about a year to really like feel like, okay, we're making some progress here. Yeah. You know, and there'd be times where I felt like, oh, that was really amazing. We communicated great, or the marriage bed. I didn't really struggle with that. Um, it, let's say that would happen one week, but then the next week we may be struggling again because of something else. And th- and that's the point I want to make. You you don't arrive, mm-hmm. um, but I do want to give hope that it does move to. I've heard people say, first you feel like sexual sin is like in the forefront of your your story. It's front and center. This is like it's everything. What I'm going through. Yeah. But I heard somebody put it uh, in a beautiful way that eventually it moves to the back of the stage. It's still going to be there until you go see the Lord. It'll always be part of your story, but eventually it starts moving towards the back. Not because you can forget, because we're humans, we can't, but it doesn't become like our end-all, this is what I've been through, which is amazing when you can look back and you can see that. And you can see, like, for a wife, you can see the emotions are more in check. I don't cry at the drop of a hat when I'm talking about what we went through. Um, but but for that first year, I'd say, yeah, I remembered, you know, you just like, you're raw, right? Yeah. So, and I think it's fruit driven too. When you start seeing, wait, he's different. Like he's not the same guy in the marriage bed. He's not like just mm. selfish. Then you start seeing, okay, I can trust him more and, and I'm trusting the Lord more. Or the way he communicated with me, he didn't like just, you know, like totally bite my head off or assume something or you know, just look at me like I'm crazy. Like he responded in a kind way. Attitude's everything, right? Yep. That mercy, he's giving it to me. Then you start seeing kind of the snowball effect and, and the flow of grace, you know, you're just in that flow. It brings a lot of hope. Mm-hmm. You know, what's interesting is, is about the timelines. You know, it's not necessarily about, oh, it's been three months, it's been six months, we should be somewhere by now. That It's not the point. The point here is, seeing God move in the process and celebrating those little victories that you have through the, the times that you wrestle through, right? So when, you, when you're able to pray together before intimacy one night, celebrate that. I mean, celebrate it. And then two weeks later, you have another one. Celebrate those victories. And sure, in between those moments of time, you're going to blow it. You're going you're gonna to miscommunicate. You're going to misfire. You're going to get awkward. You're just going to get weird. But through God's grace, that's God's grace getting you through. And so that's that's helps me is that in guys early on is that you're not locked to a timetable. There's no kind of platform that you're going to arrive at. It's okay, our marriage bed is fully restored. Like that's it is a it's a beautiful thing. And that's one thing about applying the gospel to the marriage bed is that it's a living um it's a living situation, right? We're two souls trying to find it being uh, communicated by God to create something beautiful in our marriage. And so that's going to change. It's going to have it's almost like a life of its own, just mm-hmm. kind of changing and morphing and transforming as mm-hmm. we continue to go through life. So, I mean, it sounds like it's almost like any other person, and I've seen this illustration before, where you have a general trajectory, but that trajectory is you got <laughs> ups, you got downs. Sometimes you go, you slip pretty far back down and then you climb your way back up, you know, it's, so it's not so much about constantly measuring yourself in the moment, but like, where is this going? Yeah. Right? And if you see that, that upward trajectory 
hold to that because God's clearly doing something. And I think a good measurement too is your biblical thinking about intimacy. When you start seeing it as a gift and really getting in the Word and seeing why God made it, and you embrace that and celebrate that, that redeems something that the enemy wanted to take through sexual sin. And even though it might not be fully what God wants it yet, but you start saying, wait a minute, I've been lied to, really God intended it this way because this is what I read in the Word. And you start seeing, yeah, we're still struggling, but I see hope that he is going to make it what he originally intended to be. Because he said it was good from the very beginning, right? But we, Satan has taken it, we've taken it, and it's become something dirty, bad, can't be restored. But when you start seeing, wait a minute, I'm going to fight for this. As a wife, I think you, when you have that hope, I'm going to fight for this, and this is something that can be redeemed. And your husband, he's right there, and you're fighting together. That's a sign of victory. There is no timetable on that. That's something that, you know, in our day and age, we're going to have to keep redeeming sexual intimacy for what God created it to be because it's it's not seen the way he has it in his word. Mm -hmm. Um, So to me, that's a big sign of victory. Yeah, that's good. Man, so good in every way, I think. It just hopefully gives people hope. Like, it gives people a, a, a direction. You know, one is I've got to learn humility and love. We are in this together and we are going somewhere together and um, God's going to have his way if we just keep on that path, you know. So I really appreciate, thank you for your time. Thank you for your vulnerability, just for being honest about what you guys went through and what God's doing because I'm really hoping that this will be speaking to a couple who's back where you guys were uh, 15 years ago or or whatever and give them hope that wait a second i this can be very different and god will do it 100 percent the 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 fact that that's even possible is mind-blowing the fact that we can actually have it is even more mind-blowing true and anybody who calls out to the name of the Lord can have it. I'm surely convinced of that. I know we are. We've seen it in our own lives and we've seen it in others. And that's that's what gives us hope And because there's nothing impossible with the Lord about restoration. Mm-hmm. All right. Amen. Thank Amen. you, guys. Thank awesome. you. Thank you. All right. That's it for today's episode. May God richly bless you to pursue a pure heart in every area of your life so that you will find out one day that everything has been made new. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.